Hi, and welcome to I Don't Want to Leave podcast where I share musings, writings, blogs, music, and more. I'm your host, Tom Rouse. You never know what you might hear, so stick around and I hope you enjoy. Hi, and welcome back to I Don't Want to Leave. I'm Tom, your host. And uh, this first uh, inaugural episode of our podcast, just wanted to take you back in time a little bit. Uh, But also, before we get into that, just to let you know that this podcast is going to be a lot of my writings, my musings, uh, my music history, things of that nature. We may uh, talk about different songs, songwriting, and that kind of thing. May even have some special guests. Uh, We'll just see where this takes us. But... uh, Today, we're taking a step back in time to share a little story with you that uh, an experience I had. Uh, Stick with us. I hope you enjoy. It wasn't a dive bar, but it wasn't a honky-tonk. It was a locals bar bar for the hard-working folks in that area, retirees, farmers, truck drivers, carpenters, welders, and the like. Good blue-collar people enjoying each other's company in a small bar with white walls, so white that even with the lights turned down as low as they would go, you still couldn't hide in the shadows. It was set directly off the bypass of the little town in Tennessee where I found myself living at the time. If you didn't know it was there, you could drive right past the white gravel driveway that went steeply up the side of a small hill through two large four-bar cattle gates. There was a marquee down by the highway, but it was rarely updated. I found Bulldog's Bar quite by accident. I'd been living there for a few months and was looking for a place to share a few tunes. I was driving on the bypass one day, and even though I can't remember Why I did now, I slowed down right in front of that gravel drive. It drew my attention up the little hill, and I could just make out the sign, Bulldog's Bar. I made a note of it and decided to come back later as the gates were closed, and it looked deserted from my point of view. What I haven't mentioned is that I had lived in this area about 20 years prior. My dad had been a pastor at a local church where I had begun my quote-unquote music career, if you can call it that. I sang in the choir at my church, sang at a few weddings, and after graduating from high school, had moved away to a Bible college where I learned to play guitar and follow in my dad's footsteps to become a minister of the gospel. The following years were full of the ups and downs of life, family, love, heartache, and loss. I had given myself so wholeheartedly to my ministry that everything else in my life had fallen apart, and I found myself starting over. By the time I found Bulldog's Bar, I had been divorced for a few years, out of the ministry for a few more, and for the first time in my life, desperate to do something with the music I knew was inside me. So I drove up that white gravel driveway one afternoon, not knowing what to say or what to do. My hands were sweaty and my mouth was dry as I stepped into the doorway of that quaint, small bulldog's bar. 
When I say it was small, I mean it was small. The bar was only a few feet inside the main entrance, heading toward the back, only about ten feet or so. To the right was a little round table in the corner with three people sitting there. I could have reached out and touched them as I walked in. To the left was a doorway going into the main room, and it was only about twice the size of the bar area. That main room had a pool table right in the middle, leaving only about four feet or so clearance on each side. The only extra space in that main room was an alcove of sorts in the back wall about the size of a small closet. In other words, Bulldogs was a small bar. I approached the bar nervously and said hello to the lady standing behind it. She was petite but not short. Brown hair, and if I remember correctly, her name was Penny. I asked for the owner of the bar, and she said, I'm the owner, but only for a little while longer. She was selling it, but asked what she could do for me. Mustering up every bit of courage I had, I told her my name and that I was a singer-songwriter and would love to be able to come in and perform from time to time. Now, I have no idea what she must have thought, but she just stood there for a moment. I was afraid she was about to turn me down. Then, to my surprise... The lady at the table by the door jumped up and came over to the bar. She spoke to Penny, pointing at me, and said, I know him. He used to sing at the church. He's really good. You need to let him sing here. And that was it. I was in. I didn't even remember that lady from the church at all. I honestly don't know who she was. So we agreed that I would play the following Saturday night for tips only. All these years later, it's almost degrading to think about playing for tips, but at that time, I was elated just to have a place to play. My day job was about 30 miles away in another town as the night manager for an auto parts store. That basically meant that I closed the store every night, Wednesday through Sunday. I had just enough time that Saturday to lock up the store, drive home, change, pack my gear, and head to the bar. Speaking of gear, when I got the gig, I didn't have any other than my guitars or keyboard, no sound equipment. Luckily, just across from the store where I worked was an incredible old mom-and-pop music store. They had everything you could ask for and then some. They had been around for years and had actually served some of the known names in country music and all the local musicians. So, I went over on my lunch break a few days after my meeting at Bulldogs and asked if they had a small sound system I could rent. Well, they happened to have one. I paid them and loaded it up. I didn't need much since it was just me, one mic and a stand, four-channel mixer and speakers with stands. I was familiar with sound equipment from my time doing music in churches, so I felt ready to handle this little one. I set up my gear in the front corner of the main room just opposite the front door. With my mic stand in place, pool players had to squeeze around it as they were circling the table. I actually had to move it a few times so someone could take a shot. A drunk asked if he could sing House in New Orleans, and fortunately it was one of my favorites and still is to perform, so I could sing over his drunken harmonies enough that it was bearable for the audience. Now what was supposed to be a singular gig turned into every Saturday night 10 to midnight. 
my day job eventually changed to weekdays on the road, so I didn't have to rush anymore on Saturdays. Once while on the road, a co-worker gave me a CD full of what I learned later were called MP3s, the ultra-condensed music files. That CD held hundreds of songs, and this co-worker told me he used them to DJ at several bars where he lived. So that gave me an idea. Since I didn't have enough music at the time for a full four-hour gig, I could DJ half and play half. I took that idea to the new owner of Bulldogs, a wonderful lady named Sandra, and she agreed. So I started playing from 8 to midnight every Saturday night. I would start with about 20 to 30 minutes of upbeat favorites that the crowd knew and loved and then play three or four of mine or covers that I do. Then repeat that over and over during the evening. It gave the crowd the music they loved and gave me a chance to perform my tunes and hone my stage skills. The local patrons came in all sizes, shapes, colors, you name it, and they became my friends. One couple in particular I called the old hippies, not only because of their fashion sense and demeanor, but also the fact that they owned a ranch nearby where they grew and brewed their own forms of inebriation. One night during a break I was visiting with them at their table and noticed they were drinking water in mason jars. No, I'm not making that up. It was real mason jars. I mentioned something about it, and they said it was their own recipe and offered me some. Once I realized what they were talking about, I turned them down, but they were insistent. So I took a sip and was actually surprised at how good it tasted. It was lightly sweet with a hint of citrus. I wanted more. Uh, that is until it got to about my sternum and the bomb went off. Something sizzled all the way to my fingertips and even to my little toes. I felt electricity even in my hair. It was like a static charge had suddenly gone off over my entire body. I set the glass down and walked away. I had to step outside for a moment, drink some water, and smoke a cigarette. No, it didn't give me a buzz, but it did make me think twice about drinking anyone's moonshine anymore. That night or ever. Some dear friends of mine, Eric and Jenny, came out to see me once for a night of fun. She had heard me joking about something that I would love to have happened during a show. I saw her standing close by with her hands in her jacket pockets while I was singing and she was just watching. I wasn't sure what was going on until her hand came out of her pocket and she threw something at me. I saw it fly through the air and land on my mic stand. It was a pair of panties. She began to laugh when she saw the expression on my face. She had given me what I had jokingly said I wanted. However, for the record, uh, she just had an extra pair of stuffed in her pocket. She had not removed them. I hung them on the back of my mic stand and continued the show. Now, while all this was going on, Eric was imbibing quite liberally and enjoyed seeing Jenny get the best of me. Eric would come up to me at select times and make a request. One in particular, I wasn't sure if it was actually him requesting it, the alcohol, or his wife, but Dancing Queen by ABBA. I obliged, and he has forever since been known as the Dancing Queen. Oh, by the way, his wife has been 
Jenny says to me since the day I met her, you know, from the Cowboy Mouth song, Jenny Says. After having played there every Saturday night for a while, time rolled around and it was my birthday. Upon arriving at Bulldogs, I was presented with a bottle of Captain Morgan's. Now, normally during a show, I will not drink very much at all. I might drink a Sprite or a cheerleader beer or the like, so I held on to the bottle until closing time. One thing about Bulldogs, it was not within the city limits. As it was in the county, it could operate legally, but wouldn't be able to operate at all if it were inside the town limits at that time. Now, I'm not sure what the legal restrictions are now. But being in the county only gave them the ability to sell beer and nothing else. And it could only do so for 23 hours a day. I never understood those limitations, but that's what they were. We would give last call a little before midnight. People would buy what they needed to continue the party. The bartender would then close and lock the doors. Yes, with everyone still inside. At 1 a.m., they would reopen to continue. With that being said, sometimes the party would be going on so intently that it was sometimes 2 or 3 a.m. before anyone thought about the doors again. Now, on that night in question, we had closed at midnight and locked the doors. I opened my bottle of Morgan's and began to remove the contents. Quite liberally, I might add. Hey, it was my birthday. Around 3 in the morning, I decided that that was enough celebration and had to head home. Now, during my time at Bulldogs, I drove a little 93 Ford Ranger I had bought from the young lady bartender that I shared a house with. She lived upstairs and I lived in the basement. I loved that little truck and drove it all over the country for work. Though it had a small problem with the lighting. At times, the headlight switch would go out and I would lose my tail lights, and even though the headlights continued to function normally. I never knew when this might occur and kept a spare headlight switch in the glove box. Sadly, it happened that early morning as I was leaving Bulldogs after my birthday celebration. And my drive home took me through the town square of that little town, right past the courthouse. I had noticed my taillights were out, but in my inebriated state, I didn't think it would be a problem as it was around 3 a.m. And who's going to be out at that time of the night anyway, right? So I felt no need to change the switch before leaving the bar. As I approached the courthouse, I saw headlights directly ahead at the opposite intersection. Those headlights and I left our respective stops at approximately the same time. We met on the road about halfway past the courthouse. It was then that I knew I was in trouble. It was a deputy sheriff's car. I quickly looked in my rearview mirror as he passed and saw his taillights come to life. My drunken thoughts were to get off the road ASAP. Now, I made it to the opposite intersection and rolled past it to the next street on the left, which I turned on to immediately. I began to creep down the street in a section of town I knew nothing about. 
To my chagrin, I saw in my rear view headlights turn onto the street behind me. Then I saw the red and blue lights come on. I was done for. I could already feel the cold, hard cuffs around my wrist before I even pulled over. Which I did at that point. I realized that since I knew nothing of this part of town that I couldn't hide anywhere. So I pulled over to accept my fate and rolled down the window. The deputy walked up, shined a light inside the cab of my vehicle, and asked for my info. I gave it to him, knowing that I was about to spend the night in jail. He looked through my info, shined the light back inside, highlighting the bottle still in the cup holder, and asked, Mr. Rouse, have you been drinking? Without thinking, I responded, not anymore, it's empty. He actually chuckled a little. Uh, Do you know why I pulled you over? Not really. Mr. Rouse, did you realize your taillights are not working? For some unknown reason, my mind went back to the time years ago when I actually traveled the country in an acting troupe and decided it was time to bring out some skills I had not used since that time. What? Oh, I sounded so incredulous. I had no idea. I opened the door and walked to the back of my truck to look at the lights, then back to the driver's seat to play with the switches, then to the back of my truck to check the lights again, you know, just to be sure, all the while hoping my bit of acting was working its magic. The deputy wasn't buying it. While I was standing at the door of my truck, he was standing toward the rear and asked again if I had been drinking because I can smell alcohol from here. He then asked where I was going. I told him I was going home. Where do you live? I told him. Mr. Rouse, you can't get there from here. Now this was where my drunken stupidity was about to land me in jail. Had I been sober and thinking straight, I would have taken a right at the intersection instead of a left because to the right was where my kids lived. I could have used the excuse that I was going to check on them. As it was, I had landed in a part of town that I had no business being in. My thoughts all began to collapse around me as I knew this deputy was about to handcuff me and haul me off. However, for some reason, that didn't happen. He gave back all my info and said, make sure you get those lights fixed and Mr. Rouse, take it easy on the way home. I was dumbfounded. How, what, why? I I could not believe my dumb luck. But I didn't stick around to argue with the deputy either. I turned my truck around slowly and made my way back to the main street and turned toward home again, slowly. Well, the next Saturday night back at Bulldogs, I just had to share my narrow escape. I walked into several regulars already sitting at the bar, and when I shared about what had happened, they all began to laugh. Yep, one of the old timers said, you sure as hell did get lucky, but it wasn't you. 
The city council just ripped the sheriff a new one because too many of the council members were getting DUIs. The sheriff had to back off. My last night at Bulldogs was not an adventure. It was not a fun time. It was not a party. Thinking back on it, it was a sad time for me. I truly loved those folks, the bartender, the owner, and the bar. I didn't want to leave, but felt I had no choice. I arrived at my normal time and began to unload my gear. Now, I noticed several unfamiliar vehicles in the parking lot, but didn't think much of it at the time. As I sat up all my gear, the bartender began to tell me that a group of out-of-towners had shown up and they were spending lots of money. At first, I thought it was a good thing, but over the next few minutes, I realized that, in my opinion, it was not a good thing. As the time approached for me to start, people from the group continued feeding the jukebox. I asked the bartender about it and was told, hey, they're spending money, give it a few more minutes. I gave it a few more minutes and nothing changed. The regular patrons were starting to get upset and would ask me when I was going to start, so I told them, asked the bartender. Finally, after an hour or so of waiting, after the regulars were getting perturbed, after multiple complaints, I began my show. I did what I had always done, DJ for about 20 minutes and then play a few tunes. After my first set, I knew something was wrong. The bartender approached me and said these out-of-towners wanted to play the jukebox. I have the same songs that they want played and they won't have to feed the jukebox to hear them. I know that, but they don't, the bartender defensively replied. Well, all you've got to do is tell them. We do this every Saturday night, I exploded. This is what Bulldogs offers on Saturday nights. This is why our regulars come in here on Saturday nights. I know, but they're spending money. The owner said to do what they want. What? I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I had played there every Saturday night for over two years without even asking for pay and our regular patrons were complaining. But the owner and bartender were willing to set that aside for folks that had never even been to Bulldogs and would probably never even return, just because they were spending money at the bar. I was livid, to say the least. Okay, then I'm done bartender looked perplexed. What, what do you mean? I mean that I'm packing my gear and leaving. If you two would rather have some out-of-towners spend money here tonight, disregard me and your regular customers that come to Bulldogs because of what we offer on Saturday nights, then I'm out. I'm done. I know this may sound arrogant, but the regular patrons, my friends, helped me load my truck encouraging me, wishing me well, and sharing my feelings about what had happened that night. I finished packing my truck and drove away. I've never been back to Bulldog's Bar.
Well, I hope you've enjoyed this little journey back in time to visit Bulldog's Bar. And I hope you join us again. I'm your host, Tom Rouse. And this has been I Don't Want to Leave. Thank you. This episode is copyright 2023, Tom Rouse and Tomlin Productions. Thank you for listening.